Yeah. What's going on, everybody? Starting this podcast off right because I'm realizing if I keep the microphone at the perfect level right here, it doesn't, um, I don't even know the term, fuck it. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, LA stories, all my LA stories, and even the reason like why I chose to go to LA at the first place or why I have such an attachment to LA and how it's like I just don't see it being a possibility of me ever moving to Colorado at least like not like right now, but I mean, like I don't really, I, anytime like someone's asked me to move to Miami with them or to move to Colorado or to move to Texas or to move to anywhere outside of where I grew up, which is St. Louis, I just have never gotten that just, I hate to sound corny, but magical feeling that I, I get when I think of LA. Oh my God, LA. And it all started when I was 10 years old. If you guys haven't seen the movie Lords of Dogtown, that's where that's where it's at. That movie, that's the single most impactful movie, I think, of my entire life. Lords of Dogtown. Because it was I got into skateboarding when I was 8. And when I was 9 or 10, that's when that movie came out. Great, great, great movie about the origins of skateboarding with the Z-Boys in Venice, California and all that. And at 9... I was about nine or 10 years old. I'd never been exposed to beach life before. I've never been exposed to California. And so when I saw this movie, I'm like, oh, that's how people are living. There are people living like this, like in a good way. Like this is amazing. People skateboarding all day. I grew up in a, my school. I, I had one friend who skateboarded. He only skateboarded because I did. Everyone else didn't. That's, it was just a dumb, dumb, dumb school. I, I wanted to skateboard no matter what. So when I saw that movie, I just kept watching it and watching it and watching it. And I think I saw it in theaters like three times only because that's the amount of times my parents would allow me to go. But when I got the DVD, I probably, I remember going to my grandma's all the time. I think I watched it around 60 times. And that's at 10 years old. That's when I decided I'm going to live in Venice, California and eventually adapted to California, but Venice, California, that's where it all started. Uh, and that's where a lot of these stories we're about to get into. Uh, that's how that's, I mean, I'm just saying that movie set the foundation for me to just basically know my path. Like, unfortunately, I'm not living there now. And I don't see myself living there until after this winter. Not necessarily just because of coronavirus, but that definitely is a factor. I'd rather, you know, watch from afar to see what happens. Uh, but this is going to allow me... Going back to St. Louis for eight months is going to allow me to reconstruct um, and really prepare for what's to come because I know for a fact I'm going to look back on what I'm saying right now in a couple years and I'm going to be like, I knew it because I've known it since I was fucking 10 years old that something big was waiting for me in L.A. and I was on the fucking track until this corona shit happened. But anyway, everything's meant to be. I was not prepared mentally for L.A. I will say that even though it was my fourth time. But... Let me take you back to the first time. Well, the first time I ever went to L.A., I was 15, and maybe I'll tell this fucking story, but when I was 15, I went through the craziest shit of my entire life that probably no one in no one watching this, at least, has ever gone through. This is a very unique story. My best friends know. So when I was 15, I was heavily distracted. The first time I went to L.A., it was supposed to be this amazing time where I'm like, I'm seeing where I'm going to live one day, and I was just on the phone, uh, on my flip phone all day texting about this current situation I can't really talk about. 
maybe I'll talk. This this situation though deserves an entire its own podcast. Trust me, I fucking guarantee you nothing. You've never heard of anything like this happening before. It's it's even more unbelievable than the ninjas. Okay, so anyway. See it at 15. Yep, that's exactly what I want. Let me get back on my phone. You know, that was the the vibe I was given up there. Like, I knew it was exactly what I wanted. I loved it so much. So, uh, it was... So, I would go through freshman year of college. This is obviously way later. Now, I'm 18. Now, I'm 19. Now, I'm 20. Now, it's sophomore year of college. 20. I, I pledged this stupid fraternity because, I don't know, I was just looking for something, you know. I don't know what I was looking for. Um, but I ended up regretting that, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to quit something I started. So I finished that and this was the second semester of sophomore year. And around April, I get a text that I'll never, ever, ever forget. I was in a pretty low point because of certain things that were happening before this. And I get a text from my boy, Jimmy, who was supposed to be out here tomorrow, but he's not coming anymore. And he goes, Hey Scott, my mom got us. My mom got me a studio apartment in Koreatown in Los Angeles. And then the next text. Would you want to come live with me for the summer? Oh, my God. This is insane. Like, oh, my God. This is everything I've ever wanted in life right now coming together live right at the time that I need it. Right when the, at the time I'm the most lost. I'm in college. I'm joining a fraternity that I don't even like. I'm getting bad grades. I don't know what I want to do with life. I just know that I want to live in California. That's all I've known. That's all I've wanted. That's all I've known my entire life. It's got to be L.A. Something about L.A. Tell you guys, when you get those intuitional thoughts, that's your subconscious screaming at you. Follow it because I'm telling you, I'm going to look back on this day right now. And I already do, basically, if that makes sense of everything that's happened to me in L.A. I know it's awesome, but I know something is going to be really fucking big coming up here. And I just got to be prepared for it. But anyway, that's I'm venturing off the story. I go, yeah, for like 100 percent sure. I'm not I don't need to ask my I'm doing it. I am doing it no matter what I didn't. Here, let me meet my uh, my laptop really quick. Um, doing it no matter what, no one can stop me. This is for sure supposed to happen. He goes, okay. Yeah. So I'm asking Dylan and I'm also asking this guy, Josh too. I'm like, okay, cool. So I didn't understand what a studio was, <laughs> but, uh, it wouldn't have changed anything. This, this, okay. I'm not going to jump too far ahead, but most of the time we had a fifth person. Sometimes we had a sixth person. So let's just say five people at usually at once we're living in this studio. I actually, this is, this is dated back to May of 2016. So I actually, thank God back then I was, I was keeping these notes. Oh, and one thing I want to talk about real quick is, uh, this podcast is also going to be incorporating my Uber stories for when I went out there and became an Uber driver. I got some insane, oh my God, I got some insane Uber stories to tell you guys one in particularly. Okay. So I just want, this is why I held off on the last podcast talking about this. I'm going to accumulate all LA stories and just the explanation of why LA is so fucking special to me and it's worth the 12.2% tax you're paying. Okay, fuck it. So I'm just super hyped. I'm getting prepared for this. Um, I, again, at this also time, this is something I probably just won't ever talk about because I don't need to, but I was going, I was also going through something pretty bad, not not necessarily, and here's the interesting part. Looking back, it wasn't bad, but in the time, in my mind, it was. So that wasn't even a factor anymore. I'm going to L fucking A, baby. L A. 
Let's do it. This is going to be the most insane summer ever, okay? So, fuck yeah, okay? We get out of school. We got two weeks. Um, all I can think about is I can't wait to go, can't wait to go. The day comes. You know, I'm doing... If you look back on my Instagram, you can literally see... Actually, no, 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 no. This, this is something else. I'll, I'll cover that when I go back to LA. But anyway, I'm just getting really prepared. All of a sudden, the day comes... I bring my bags to the airport. I meet all the other boys and we all fly out together to LA. And oh my God, my vibe is, my vibe is so fucking high. My energy is so fucking high that I remember I got a girl's number from, wasn't even in my, wasn't sitting next to me nor in my row. That's how confident I was feeling about going to LA. I I, I remember I asked her a number from like, she's like two rows behind me and on the left side, I'm on the right side. And I asked, and she gave it to me, you know? So, and, and we ended up hanging out later and went surfing or something. It was just unbelievable. Like, that is so unlike me, especially for what I was going through mentally at the time. Um, I just instantly knew there's magic in this place. Like, there's big time magic in Los Angeles. I don't care what anybody says about it. I don't care about the, um, just any issues with it. That place is fucking special. And that's, there's a reason so many people choose to go there and pay the tax and pay the insane real estate values because of this feeling that I'm talking about that maybe not everybody has, but I definitely did. Okay. So I like it. So I'm so glad I wrote down a lot of these stories because I probably would have forgotten so many of these, but basically, okay, we get to the airport. Jimmy orders us an Uber. We're psyched. We're supposed to be staying at this like Chateau day, whatever. We actually ended up living next to there later. Uh, the Chateau on sunset and apparently a, a pipe burst so we ended up staying in the standard and i remember we walk into because we, we had one night to kill until we could move into the airbnb so they booked us a room in the standard and i remember i walked in and in the standard there's literally just some guy sleeping in a glass case behind the receptionist and i'm like okay i'm fucking in la now i know this for a fact because you would not see this anywhere else man in a glass case Hell yeah, I'll applaud that. Like, that is the type of shit I'm looking for. Unique as hell. Like, this is why I came out here. Oh my God, this is why I came out here. And so, we put all of our stuff in. I'm just fucking... I can't even sit still thinking about it. I'm getting... I haven't got... My God, dude, I'm getting so much energy just thinking about this day because this is fucking... Oh my gosh, so... Uh, we just put our bags in and I'm itching. I'm itching like, let's just walk the streets. Let's just walk the Sunset Strip. We are here in LA. Let's just do it. So we walk out and I remember right next to our hotel, there's the 7-Eleven. These are, these are kind of like minor stories. I'll try to dance around to the to the, the pretty crazy ones. But I just remember this is interesting because this is my first like experience being in LA, like outside of the hotel in the airport. We walk outside, we walk by the 7-Eleven and this homeless guy had his own line of, of incense and he was saying, and free cologne. And he, and he was, he wanted to give us incense and cologne samples while smoking a blunt talking to us. I'm like, this is LA. This is what I came for. Oh my God. Just amazing. <laughs> oh, I forgot about this story too. Okay. Um, so anyway, we're like, okay, what, what can we do? Like, it's kind of getting sketchy out. Like we're walking towards Hollywood. So it's like the dark place. There's a lot of weird characters walking around right now on, it was like a Saturday, Friday night, I think. And so Jimmy orders us an Uber to the beach and we get in the Uber where we don't even go less than a mile on Sunstrip, Sunset Strip. All of a sudden we look to the left and this guy 
at the stoplight, climbs out of his fucking uh, moonroof, and this guy, booty shorts on, no shirt. There, I'm, I'm sure there was some sort of drugs involved with this situation, but he climbs through his fucking moonroof. He has like those light up sticks. And he starts fucking drawing shit in the air. And he and it's like, and again, we're all from Missouri. Never most of us have never been to LA. And we're just looking at this guy like, holy shit. Like, is this like a common thing that happens around here? And the driver is like, Yeah, I know that guy. <laughs> so it was like, okay, cool. So I remember we went to the beach, and I'll tell you, that was probably one of the top five most energetic feelings I've ever had. I'm in fucking Santa Monica Beach with my friends, and this is the start of a summer. This is the start of the summer of 2016. All summer 16. Hey, all summer 16. That was the anthem. I've literally discovered Russ. Like, just so many things happened on this fucking... Oh, my God. So, anyway, we're at the beach, and I remember Jimmy, like, sees some strangers, and this is obviously way before pre-corona. Jimmy decides to, like, smoke their weed or something, and he's like, to this day, he's never felt anything like that. And he says, um, and it's just because it was probably spiked with something. But I'd, I was just there completely sober-headed, looking at the beach, running down, up and down the beach, right at the Santa Monica Pier, and I was just pumped the fuck up. The possibilities are endless. They're endless. I'm in LA right now. The possibilities are endless. The possibilities in St. Louis are limited. The possibilities in LA are limitless. Limitless. Fucking unreal energy. So, (laughs) Jimmy orders the Uber back home, right? (laughs) and we all I forget what happened but he was like straggling behind and we all get in this car (laughs) and apparently there's like a similar car in front of us and he didn't see (laughs) he didn't see us get in the car so Jimmy I guess was so like stoned off of the fucking uh hit that (laughs) we see him we just see him walk into the car get in and all of a sudden we hear The lady just starts screaming at him. Oh my god, that was that was just such a funny night. So anyway, um, so we wake up the next morning, and now it's time to actually go to our apartment. And again, we're in West Hollywood. Everything's so vibrant. Everything's so crazy. And we get in this Uber, and it takes us to Koreatown, specifically Normandy and Wilshire area. Which, when I posted this on my story, some kid even messaged me. He's like, "Bro, I grew up in that area." You grew, that is a rough ass spot. Like I got out of there as quick as possible. We pull up to this place guys and there is probably five families living on the sidewalk, like on our block. And we're the, and we, we stand out. Let's just say that it was mainly Latinos and, um, Koreans and we're the only white kids. Jimmy uh, is Asian, but we're the only white kids. And if that didn't make us stand out even more, we all rode penny boards everywhere, which, which I'll get to in a second. We all, wore the, we all rode the penny boards. And uh, again, that's rooted back to Lords of Dogtown, which I also rode that skateboard all the time in college to get to school. So like that, like when I say that story is the most impact, I mean, when I say that movie is the most impactful movie in my entire life, I really mean it because it had an influence on my, the way I dress, the way I look at life, like obviously me going to California, but anyway, we, we, 
at, like as we were approaching the apartment, we were recognizing that things were changing very quickly. Like that that doesn't happen in Missouri, where like a couple miles means a massive difference in environment. Like we were only five miles from, I think it was about it was like five or to eight miles from West Hollywood, and everything just changed. Like there's every like we're seeing like. Yeah, that one funny guy who was driving around drawing shit in the air. Now we're seeing like actual crack addicts like uh, yelling at the car, yelling at us. It's like, holy fuck, what did we get ourselves into out here? What the hell are we did we get ourselves into? And uh, we unload our bags. Let me see if I have any straight. Yeah, so. Oh, yeah, that's right. So um, when we went to that. When we, okay, yeah. So we unload our bags. We go to the apartment. We're like holy shit, not only does this place only have one bed and there's four of us, but this place has no AC at all. So we got to get fans and shit. We got eight fans or something, just kept the windows open all the time. But my God, guys, that was an intense, uh, that, that was just an eye-opening um, entry into this whole thing because it's like, we're going to be here for three months. So we unloaded all of our stuff and we're like, let's go. Let's go skate. It was something to skate. So we ended up, yeah, that's right. We skated to the nearest ramen spot. So we all have these little skateboards. Oh, wait, no. Two, uh, Dylan and Josh did not have skateboards yet. So me and Jimmy just had our skateboards. We went to the ramen spot. And when I was approaching the ramen spot, this homeless lady comes up to me and goes, I'll leave my husband for you. <laughs> I remember that. It's like, oh, damn. So, <laughs> uh, so we ended up getting, that day we got some ramen. Man, what a fucking good day this was. Got some ramen. Jimmy ordered us an Uber to the skate shop where Josh and Dylan got skate uh, penny boards, and that's where they. And then we uh, Ubered to Venice, uh, just the whole um, beach area, in order for them to start practicing. So like, I oh my god, dude, Venice was insane, so vibrant. My parents want to stay away from there, but it was just so vibrant, so much activity. Like I could feel the brain waves. It was like a, it was like a pulsating feeling. God, just even telling these stories makes me want to get back to LA so fucking bad. Man, I really want to get back. Um, but in due time. Anyway, uh, I remember we were on the beach and we asked this homeless lady. Like, we didn't know she was homeless until she answered the question. But we went up to this lady and uh, we were like, hey, do you know, like, what's your favorite place to eat? Uh, favorite restaurant around here? We're, like, looking for a really nice restaurant. We're, like, not a really nice restaurant, but we're just looking for the best food and we just got here. Do you have any recommendations? And I remember she sat there and then she looks to the left she looks down, she looks up, like she's really thinking hard. She goes, the Little Caesars in Echo Park is really good. <laughs> and we're like, oh, okay, I see. So we did not end up going to the Little Caesars in Echo Park. I, I don't even know where we went that day. I was just so unbelievably captivated by L.A. It was just unbelievable. And guys, we we this is like no joke. Like we didn't have the money for Ubers or anything, so we were taking Metro everywhere. And the third day, we actually took the metro from Koreatown to Hollywood Boulevard, where that metro stop is. We got out, and we skated uphill to the Hollywood sign. 4.8 miles, I think, all the way up the fucking Hollywood Hills, which I would later go to live in, which is interesting, all the way to the Hollywood sign. We got to the top of Hollywood sign. And then coming down, actually, I remember Jimmy was trying to film this clip, so I had to go as fast as possible down if you guys are familiar with Runyon Canyon, they have like roads where the cars actually go. Well, we have, we have skateboards. I'm like, here, I'll rip this. And I remember I, I skated so fast past the camera that by the time I was past the camera, I realized that I can't, this is beyond, this is beyond 
the point of no return. Like I'm going probably 32 miles per hour, 35 miles per hour, no joke speeds. And I look and all I see in front of me is more concrete at a steeper road or this mountain, this very rocky mountain. I had to make a quick decision. I'm talking boulders coming out of the fucking hill. Um, and I remember it's like, okay, concrete boulder, concrete boulder, fuck it, the boulder. So I jump face first into this big hill. I hit face first, boom. Guys, I hit so hard that my body spins in 700, I, my body spins twice, 720 degrees. That's how hard I hit this hill. Luckily, somehow, by the grace of God, I did not hit a boulder with my face. Like, can you imagine if I hit a boulder with my face or just like a rock? Nothing. I, I was bleeding a lot for sure, like from my face, from my uh, legs. I fucked up my knee pretty bad. But other than that, I had to call an Uber for myself. I, I bit the $15 bullet while they took the Metro. Um, but yeah, I was bleeding everywhere. And that was pretty bad. Um, so anyway, right after that, we all recognized we need to get jobs ASAP. Like uh, Jimmy didn't need to uh, just because like, he comes from a wealthier family which uh, I respect for sure. It's like his, his mom kind of supplied him uh, the money so that he could focus on furthering his web development career while he was out there, his coding career. So he like his mom didn't want him having a job so he wouldn't have to dedicate all that time when he could be dedicating that time while he's out there to networking and everything else, which is smart. So we all need a job. So Josh and Dylan ended up getting like, Every, here's one thing I want to make really clear. Every job I've ever gotten in my entire life has been off of Craigslist. If you ever want a job, don't complain to me that there are no jobs because you go to Craigslist jobs, you're going to find tons of them, every job. So they use my tactic. They got uh, work with bees. So they're knocking on these doors, literally trying to get donations for bees and they did a decent good job. Me, on the other hand, I wanted to work in Beverly Hills. So I found a listing in Beverly Hills for a restaurant called La Scala. If you guys know that one, and I, and I submitted my application and they're like, we'd love for you to come in for interview. Hell yeah. I can't wait for this man. 90210. We haven't even, we hadn't even been there yet. So I get off the boat, but, um, the Metro bus and I'm just looking around at these Ferraris, Bugattis, Bentley fucking cars. I hadn't even seen before. I just, I'm engulfed in them now. And I'm like, this is incredible. Like this is amazing. I can't wait to start working here. So I walk in. And the guy talked to the guy and he's like, yeah, 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 we need a bus or whatever. And I remember uh, <laughs> uh, this Benley guy, this Benley, I'm not even getting into that. It's such a minor story, but this guy interrupted our, our interview, but I got the job. Um, I found out later I was the only one who actually speaks English, uh, who is a buster, like mainly speaks English. Two of them didn't. One of them kind of did. And then one was decent. And he was the one who responsible for training me. And I worked hard, man. I worked really hard. Uh, There's so many specific little things that I needed to do. Um, and I just worked my ass off because I loved it so much. I was like Jay Leno just walks in out of nowhere. I'm just standing there. He's like, hey, what's up? Um, I'm trying to think. God, there's a that's a very famous breakfast spot. Like you, if you YouTube La Scala Kardashians or just La Scala in general, you'll literally find Lindsay Lohan, the Kardashians, Kanye, all the stars go there. They're really known for their um, lunch plates specifically their, their salads. Um, man, I got so many stories from that job too, but that's how it was. I got that. We all, we all started working, you know, I'd, I'd work, uh, different kinds of hours, but I'd get paid pretty well for it. Like I thought, you know, I was making probably 
$800 a paycheck bi-weekly. So I was making like $1,600 a month, which to me was a lot of fucking money, guys. A lot of money. And, um, oh, the okay, so stay tuned for this, the way I get out of this. Because I wanted to, when I, okay, I'll just wait. The way I leave this job is very funny. Okay, so wait for that. Um, so let me just review some of these. Okay, so... I remember there was just one story where Mark, my friend Mark, who I didn't know too well, I met him at a conference a year before that. He lived in L.A., and he took me out for a uh, uh, Korean barbecue, and when we left, this fucking guy, uh, he, <laughs> there was a nice BMW behind us. He backs into it not once but twice trying to get out of this spot. That was some funny shit. So anyway, let me just scroll through some of these. Um, but yeah, guys, that's... um. That's how we're living life, just working. And when we weren't working, we were having a lot of fun. We were it, obviously the fun slowed down a bit when we started working, but we were just having so much fun together at night. Like we all came together. We were maybe we were watching a movie, but we had like the way it worked was we had two blow up mattresses and then the king size bed, so we would just swap out. Like we would just rotate. Uh, Jimmy would obviously get the bed all the time, and then me, Josh, and Dylan would just swap out between the two blow up beds in this non AC apartment in a very dangerous part of Koreatown. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was pretty good. So, hey, yeah, we did it like we went to UCLA and all that. Um, we just really started traveling around and it was, I, I, it's it one weird thing that I always talk to my friends about. It's like, it's so weird. Like even when my friend Tristan came out with me up here where if you guys are, are just listening to this, this is in Colorado, you should definitely check out on YouTube to see the scenery. But when Tristan came out here, uh, he never been to Colorado and I go, listen, Tristan, when you see this, like everything's from now on is going to look different. Like what you're, the way you're seeing things right now are going to be completely changed. The more, the more you stay here or the more you visit and uh, the amount of times you visit and the same thing with Los Angeles guys, that first time when I was 15, well, I mean, when I was 15, I didn't get to explore LA too much. It's more Southern California with my family, but the way LA looked at 19 is way different than the way it looks now when I'm 23 or 24 or when even when I was 22. Like, I don't know why, I don't know how, but I don't know, guys. Places will literally, and I'm sure every single person can understand this, places will look different than they did when you, when you first saw it. I don't know how, I don't know why, but that's the way LA for me is. Like, when I was going to these places for the first time, Manhattan Beach, Venice, uh, 90210, the Hollywood Hills, that like I am getting chills up and down my spine with how magical that fucking thing was. It's still magical, but nothing compared to these days that I'm talking about. Yeah, we're living in a the shittiest apartment in one of the in one of the, in a very bad area, and it is just unbelievable. Like perspective perspective is everything. Like if I had to move back into that apartment right now, I'd be like, this fucking sucks. I'm not gonna move into there perspective is everything guys like this is with this trip this first trip that i'm talking about in terms of la stories there's four total this one i hate to say it but even though i was dead broke i went out there with 300 bucks um that i spent very quickly uh even though i was working as a buster these times were the best times of my entire life i have to say it even though I wasn't rich or I wasn't driving a fancy car. Dude, these fucking times of riding the metro, skateboarding with my friends, bussing in, in Beverly Hills, coming home to a studio with four people in it, the best times of my life. 
Perspective is everything. Your attitude is way more important than the fact. And you can obviously tell by the way I'm talking about the story that my attitude towards this situation was fucking amazing. I don't care how much danger we're in. I don't care how hot we get. This is amazing. Um, so let me see. I got, there's a lot more things. So let me, let me just look over this. So Oh man. Oh my God. I forgot about this. So obviously most of you guys probably know David Dobrik. So me and this guy, Josh, we went to Hooters one night, one day to watch the basketball game. And we have this really attractive uh, server and her name's Corinna. Yeah, you, you might see where I'm going with this. So Corinna's our, our waiter and she asked what we're doing out here. And it's like, oh, we don't know. You know da, da. And we somehow get on the topic of the guy behind us. And she's like, yeah, that's my friend, David. He, uh, he, he just moved out here like a year ago too. He's, he's been working on YouTube. I'm like, oh, you do YouTube? That's awesome, man. I've been doing that for like, like eight years because I make those little videos. I'm like, how many subscribers do you have? And he's like 420,000. I'm like, holy shit. Like, damn, that's a lot of subscribers. And remember, guys, this is David Dobrik and Corinna Cope is our server. And I'll never forget this. So it was game seven of the NBA finals. And there was, and it was like coming down to the last wire. And I remember Josh, jo, um, something, uh, something about how Corinna was talking about how like, she's like, yeah, like Josh was like, Corinna, do you like working here? And she's like, yeah, I mean, I love working here. It's like this guy the other day just gave me like a $300 tip. It's amazing. And this guy literally goes to Corinna Cope. Yeah, well, you really don't expect to get too good of a tip from us. Nothing over 15%. I'm like, oh my God, Josh, why would you say that? Don't expect to get that good of a tip from us. Nothing over 15%. And then this is when games, again, this is when like it's the last 30 seconds of the final. Everyone's going crazy. And there's like a, it's like a three point difference. And he takes this time. And while she's watching it, he's like, well, no, no. He's like trying to explain to her that like, it's like, He's like trying to further his point, And then he continued to emphasize about how little money we have. It's like, holy fuck. So what's funny about that is I forget how, but she ended up getting my, ins our Instagrams. Actually, if you look at it, you can find the thumbnail of me. It's uh, Corinna on David. It's one of David Dobrik's old videos, but it's Corinna. And he's like hold, handing like a $20 bill to her. And I'm in the background. You guys can search for that if you want. But the funny thing is David interviewed Josh for his YouTube channel because he heard that he's a, he does petitioning for the bees. And Josh talked about it for like seven minutes. And then he calls his family, tells his family all about it. He tells his friends, he tells his girlfriend about how he's going to be on this really popular channel called David Dobrik. The video comes out. Not only did David not use any footage from the Josh interview, but Corinna's face, the way his position completely cut Josh out of the entire clip. And it was just me in the back bashing wings. Uh, but anyway, Corinna ended up getting my D, um, my Instagram and we actually ended up DMing for a while. And then that's when I moved back to LA. So it's like, that's just one of those weird things where it's like, maybe if I never, if I chose not to, and spoiler alert, I do go back in two months since I did have school. But if I would have stayed, I may have started getting connected to that vlog squad and I might have been like, that might have been a totally different direction in my life. But I promise you guys, fucking, you got to be in LA for that shit to happen. Like, that would never happen anywhere else. But 
in LA, like I know something big's waiting for me or maybe multiple things are waiting for me. And I truly believe that there's nothing I believe more than that. Um, but that could have just been one of them, but you got to stay there. You have to stay there. Cause we were chatting. We, she even asked me to like hang out, but I couldn't cause I was working. And then I shortly left after, but guys, it's just like, you have to be eh, anyway. That's just a pretty good story right there. It's like of all, of all people, you know. Oh my God. How did I forget about this story? Oh, oh, I'm so glad I wrote this down, guys. How did I forget about this story? You want to hear a crazy fucking story? Well, you're about to hear a crazy fucking story. So I worked this particular night. I worked 4 p.m till 9 or 10 p.m. I get off work as usual. I walk down um, Canyon and I go to Wilshire and take the 720 bus down to Koreatown, okay? And I'm on the way back and I texted the group and I'm like, hey guys, are you home? Do you wanna, um, you wanna skate tonight or something? We were supposed to skate. No response, okay? This is like 9.20. I get home finally, took, it was a 40 minute bus ride, 10 o'clock, still no responses. I'm like, this is weird. So, um. I end up just hopping on my skateboard, skateboarding around the town. Guys, it's getting to be like midnight. I get back home. It's like 12, 20 a.m. I used to not give a fuck. I used to skateboard to like 3 a.m. Out, out by myself in Koreatown, downtown. I didn't care. Um, but it, once it turned 1 a.m., I knew something really bad happened because none of them were responding. And they, they said, oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. When I was on the bus, they did respond. They said, we'll be home by 1030. Once it turned 1 a.m., I knew something was off, okay? So at 1.20 a.m., I remember Jimmy walks in with Dylan and Josh right behind him. They slam the door, and I'm like, what happened? And they're like, you will not fucking believe this, Scott. You just won't believe it, okay? We just got detained for two hours outside of a 7-Eleven for a robbery. I go, what? <laughs> so... <laughs> This is, dude, how the, only in LA this shit can happen. How does this happen? I'm like, uh, just tell me what happened, guys. I gotta know. And they go, well, when we texted you, we were at 7-Eleven getting some Slurpees. And we walk out, we hop on our skateboards and start skateboarding. And all of a sudden, seven police cars come out, guns drawn at us. And they say, get the fuck on the floor. Again, my buddies were just skating around getting Slurpees. Seven cop cars bust up into this fucking 7-Eleven. Guns pointing directly at him. Get the fuck on the floor. So like, what's going on? What's going on? Get, get, what the fuck? They're like, what? What do you, We didn't do anything. And like, they were saying like, the cops thought they for sure had him. Like, undoubtedly, they thought these guys were the ones they were looking for. So they all get detained. Um... Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this is what happened. The cops got a call saying that a bank right down the street from them just got robbed. Oh, th this is an unbelievable story, dude. They cops said that the banks got robbed. They got a call from a bank that got robbed by two people on a skateboard, one in a blue shirt one in a red tank top and they robbed it with a taser my friend dylan was wearing a blue shirt 
my fr- Josh was wearing a red tank top. They were both on skateboards. And Josh had my taser in his back pocket, dude. Josh, it was the exact description of the call, dude, of these people who robbed the bank right next to the 7-Eleven that they were at wearing the same shit, doing the same stuff, holding the same thing. That's why the cops were so sure that they have them. Like, they have the people. That's why it was, like, undoubtable. So after they held them for two and a half hours in their cop cars and on the side of the street, they said the Slurpees melt. Forget about the Slurpees. The Slurpees are gone. Uh, The person that got robbed came to identify him, and they're like, nope, they were Hispanic. Boom. That's the only thing that got him off, guys. That's the only thing because that was the exact description to the fucking teenth besides them being besides the robbers actually being Hispanic. How did I forget that story? So yeah, they ended up uh releasing them all, not apologizing, not buying them slurpees, nothing. <laughs> Dude, that one, that one. See, that's the thing with having like a good amount of money now and being able to live in better places. You just don't get stories like that. You just never get stories like that. And now I I got a car so we can actually drive places. When we were taking the metro and skateboarding, it was just, dude, endless stories all day long. The stories just never ended. The stories just never ended, guys. It just never ended. It was just amazing. So, um, yeah. The, the, the trip just goes on like that. I ended up, you know, working at... La Scala for a while, they ended up working. We just had a lot of great times, a lot of late night skateboarding, a lot of fucking smoking, smoking that reef off of Craigslist. Whole lot of fun, guys. So much. But the the date was rapidly approaching where we're coming down. So oh God. Oh man. I was I was hesitant to tell this story, but I'm gonna go ahead and tell my fourth of July story. Cause this one is pretty crazy. Fourth of July, twenty sixteen. So we never even like got into edibles back home or like in college I mean, sometimes, but they weren't regulated really. So when we were able to go to dispensaries, it's like, oh, these edibles look cool. So one day we decide to, uh, me, Jimmy and his buddy decide that we want to go to Universal Studios, right? And the night before... Since there was a fifth person there, when there was a fifth person in this apartment, one person had to sleep in the closet. And so this particular night, I just got done working a long shift and I had to sleep in the closet. And I remember I fell asleep around 2 a.m. And we woke up at like 7 a.m. No, no, no. I fell asleep around like 3 a.m. And we woke up at 6 a.m. to go to Universal Studios to get there at opening time. Uh, we got a 1,000 milligram edible. And for those of you guys who don't know anything about THC... The average serving size is 5 to 10, okay? Like, that usually fucks people up sometimes for the newbies. Usually 100 will really fuck someone up, even experienced. I took six, about six to 700 milligrams of that blackout brownie. Jimmy took like two, two or 300, and then uh, the other guy took like 90, 50 or 90. Dude, anyone who actually knows about THC... 650 milligrams is a fucking lot, especially on two and a half, three hours of sleep. Dude, I have never to this day experienced anything like this in my entire life. 
We took it while we were waiting for the Uber to get there. I remember I bought the ticket, and I remember we walk in, and one of the last things I remember is walking in to uh, getting on the Harry Potter ride, and just like, it was like a movie. It was like, I'm on the Harry Potter ride, and I can just feel it all, the 650 milligrams is getting released. And I'm like, oh, like the, I'm on the ride going, oh my, boom, snap. Now I'm outside the ride. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, what the fuck? How did we get out of here? And he's like, dude, I don't know what's going, boom, snap. Now we're in line for another uh, Indiana Jones. Not Indiana Jones, um, the mummy. And I'm like, whoa, wait, huh? And I'm, I remember I was, I remember, um, me and me and Jimmy were falling asleep, standing up. That's how, like, we probably looked like we we're on fucking heroin falling asleep, standing up in line. Dude, I was asleep for every single ride at universal studios after the Harry Potter one. Like I remember I was, I was literally asleep standing up and the third guy that was with us had to tap both of our shoulders for when the blind moved for us to wake up so we could move and then fall asleep again. And then when we got on the, I couldn't wait to get on the ride because that meant I could sit down and sleep. So I remember like the pictures for the mummy, everybody's like having a good time. And I'm, and like, I'm literally pat. It's not one of those like fake always oh, passed out. Like I'm literally just like in the front row of the mummy. And on all these rides we were riding, dude, I was passed the fuck out, just blacked out. Like it lived up to its name, blackout brownie. And I remember I told you guys that, I hurt my knee like really bad on that hill. And now that I think about it, it was the second time we went to the Hollywood sign. Um, and we took an Uber that time. That's when I fucked up my knee. It wasn't that first time. Uh, this was two days beforehand. I think maybe a day beforehand. So my knee kind of hurt. And again, when you're fucked up off 650 milligrams of THC, it, your life kind of turns into a movie. And I'll never forget. There was like this scene where I thought I was in like a, <laughs> a sitcom drama or something like that. Like one of those like... Um, talk like not talk shows but you know like days where it's like um daytime tv i thought i was in one of those and i remember i was like jimmy i don't think i'm gonna make it man i'm gonna need a wheelchair can you please take this 40 dollars and get me a wheelchair <laughs> and then like i literally started crying and shit uh and then like i'd ended up not getting the wheelchair just toughing it up boom now we're um I don't even, oh, oh yeah, not, I remember it was, it was from the wheelchair thing to boom. Now I'm in the bathroom throwing up straight green in the stall. I remember that, like I was throwing up everywhere but the toilet, like all over the seat, all over the ground, nothing in the fucking water. Water is clean, clean. You know, I was just so messed up. Boom, snapped out of it. Now we're like, I don't even know where we are. And Jimmy and his buddy goes, all right, Sky, I think we're going to get out of here. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? It's 3 p.m. I paid $140 for this ticket. Like, yeah, man, we're going to get out of here. We got to go home. And I'm like, well, I'm not going. They're like, whatever, dude. We just got to go. We got to get out of here, dude. And I'm like, okay. So now I'm co completely alone in Universal Studios. And uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm finally coming off of it. And I remember I was about to text all my friends and be like, listen, don't ever offer me weed again. Don't ever offer me anything with THC again. I'm completely done. I will never touch it ever again in my entire life. I don't want anything to do with it because that experience was so over the top. I wanted nothing to do with it ever fucking again. Man, 
And so I remember, again, this is now four years ago, and that's nuts, guys. That's so crazy to think about. Um, so I remember I just wanted someone there because I felt like, again, when you're, like, it makes you very emotional. So I felt completely alone. And I messaged this girl on Tinder. And again, guys, this is 4th of July. I messaged this girl on Tinder. It was pretty attractive. And I'm like, you want to hang out right now? She's like, where? I go, Universal Studios. And she goes, yeah, I'll come. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, I'll be there in like 40 minutes. I'm like, okay. That was fucking easy. So I went and I rode the Universal tour where it takes you around the studios just waiting for her. Just to the most perfect sunset. Like I was just finally coming out of it. Like, what is it? Eight hours later, seven, eight hours later. I was just so at peace. And then she shows up and... We, we walk around City Walk, and then um, we go to fucking uh, downtown LA's 4th of July party. That shit was off the hook. And again, it's like, dude, the, <laughs> this all just is crazy. What a crazy fucking day. 650 milligrams. You barely remember shit, and all of a sudden you're with this random girl, and now she's driving you to the 4th of July fucking parade. <laughs> fucking nuts. And uh, oh, man. And then we went to like some sort of like family block party after that. So we went to two and then we went back to Koreatown, back to my apartment. And I remember Jimmy and his buddy were just past the shit out on the bed. Like they were done for, but here's what was really crazy about that night in Koreatown. They don't give a fuck. They're just lighting off fireworks all the time. And this is like, dude, this is like skyscrapers everywhere, you know, buildings everywhere. There's no, this isn't like you're shooting off fireworks in your neighborhood. This is like they're shooting off fireworks in the alleyway. Tons of them, nonstop. And I remember it looked just like a scene from World War II because, dude, it was boom. It was just that nonstop all night. And since we had to keep the windows open all the time, that's what we would hear in just constant explosions. And I remember the illumination of all the colors that were being casted through the entire apartment. It was just such a beautiful moment. And guys, oh man, talking about this makes me want to go back so fucking bad. It was just such a beautiful moment because there's so many colors. There's the illuminations. It was unbelievable. So that was the end of 4th of July. That was my 4th of July of 2016, baby. I've, I rarely tell that story and sometimes forget about that story. Okay, so... um. At this point, this is when the trip's winding down. Now it's going to be like mid-July. Um, side note, we uh, the local store that was on the corner from my house, I was like walking to get something from it at like 11 p.m. It got robbed by two AK-47s. Like it's, there's so many cop cars. The guy was so fucking distraught when I got there. I mean, I, w- I remember I would literally get... Guys, this area was so bad. I would literally get be getting begged for money while checking out. Like the homeless people, they weren't outside asking for money. They were in the fucking store asking you while you were checking out, please, sir, I see you have money. Please, can you lend? It's like, fuck, this girl doesn't know. Like this girl doesn't know. Like I remember like, as, like I started making decent money. Now that I look back on it, I believe it was 800 a month, not 800 a week, but still LA is expensive or whatever. Um, and after taxes, like 640. But I remember, um, I forget where I was going with that. But anyway, this is when it gets really funny because, I mean, obviously that the robbery wasn't funny, but soon after the robbery, we get this note on our door saying, We're, you've been evicted. 
Airbnb does is not allowed here. Have all your bags packed up and ready to go in 24 hours. And I think this is July 22nd. 24 hours we we're getting evicted. And it you know you know why? <laughs> Streaming illegal videos. That's what that that's what pushed them over. They knew we were Airbnb, but once we started streaming illegal, not fuck that made that sounded terrible. Streaming Ill- movies illegally, fuck not streaming illegal videos. Holy shit! Let me just clarify that really quick. <laughs> that could mean a lot of fucking things. Anyway, we were streaming illegal video, um, streaming movies illegally through Popcorn Time. If you guys remember that. So once they got triggered with that, they looked into us and they're like, oh, they're Airbnb. Sorry, I got that backwards. So it was a double whammy. You're two strikes, you're gone. And it also didn't help that we were throwing our trash in the wrong place the entire time. Uh, literally under the stairwell, which that's where the trash can was the first day. And then it never was there. So we thought that's just where we put it. But it ended up being you had to walk around the corner to throw the trash away, like outside the building. Um, so it's like, fuck, what are we going to do? Well, luckily, just by coincidence, shout out my boy Aaron. He's like, um, he's like, yeah, man, I'm in California right now. I'm staying at the TKE house at USC with Angela and Andrea. You got to come through, man. I can easily get you a spot here. And he's like, yeah, man, I got my mom's credit card. We can go down to San Diego. We can just get a fucking room and just ball out, get the goose for the boys. Use our fake IDs, all this. I'm like, oh, okay. This kind of works out perfectly because Dylan, Josh, and um, Jimmy all decide they're just going to go home. So I'm like, oh, this actually might work. I can live at the TKE house for a couple of days, and then we can go down to San Diego for a month on his mom's credit card, which apparently he, like, stole. All expenses paid. This is going to work out fucking better than I thought. So I call my mom up. I explain the situation. She's like... Well, she she's like, I'll get you your plane. T- I'll I'll readjust your plane ticket home, um, because I bought the plane ticket. But she would she was willing to pay like the sixty dollars extra to readjust it if I just helped her with something. So I'm like, okay, I'll do that. And it it was only that cheap for like two weeks out. So I'm like, I had to kill two weeks. So fucking, I think I spent four days in San Diego, two days at the TKE house. So let me tell you about those stories really quick. Uh, we get to the TKE house. There's this guy Mason going nuts, dude. This guy goes hard. We're all going to go out to some parties, and this dude is off the fucking, man, this guy is off the chains. He's drinking the whiskey. Oh, dude, what? I have Mason throwing fifth at head. I remember he threw he threw the fifth. I think he hit his head with the fifth, or he threw the fifth at someone's head. I'm not sure. But I remember I have videos of it, too. He had a three-foot massive glass. Like No, it was like a six-foot massive. No, not six foot. Three foot massive glass ball. Dude, this guy got so fucked up. He tossed it across the room. And remember, guys, I just got here with all my stuff. I'm just looking at this like, okay, well, I guess this is where we're living for a couple of days. You know, it's like this guy's just going bananas. And to top it all off, this guy's an astrophysicist. So, like, extremely intelligent. Really, really, really cool guy. Um, So, yeah, I'm living there for a couple days, two days. And then me and Aaron, we take the train down to San Diego. And I'll never forget, this guy was so fucking slow. I'm like, Aaron, you need to get off right now or they're not going to let you off. And he's like, no, yeah, whatever. So we get to San Diego. I'm like, this is the stop. I get my stuff. I get off. And I'm, getting, I'm, I'm walking out and I turn around and I'm waiting for him, waiting for him, waiting for him. 
And all of a sudden I see the, the conductor close the door and I see Aaron's face is bobbing up in, in the fucking windows, like walking towards the exit and the train just takes off. And I'm like, uh. like what, what I like, we don't know. Like guys, some of these stops were 40 minutes, 40 minutes, sometimes an hour apart. And that's, that's through railway. And the train just takes off and I'm just by myself. But luckily it stopped 15 minutes down the road and I just Ubered him to me. But that was pretty funny. Oh God, I forgot about this story. So anyway, the way the 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 way I left the job, long story short, is I, I made up a lie. I said I had to go back home really quick. Um, and that I had to send my boy Aaron, who is a local in Beverly Hills, to pick up my check. And Aaron, like, I was literally hiding behind the corner at the Rite Aid when he walked up to La Scala. And the guy's like, damn, like, Scott's really going through some stuff, huh? And he's like, I don't know, man. I'm just here to pick up the check. Because he wanted to, you know, he's not good at lying. So that's how I got out of that job. And um, picking up saying da-da-da-da. Yeah, so we just had a great time down there in San Diego. Since this is more of an L.A. story, I'm not going to cover too many of the San Diego stories, but they're pretty fucking funny. But when I got back to LA, this is how I pulled it off. Because if you guys recognize, I had two weeks to kill. All right, I killed two days at TKE, and now I killed four days in San Diego at the Catamaran. Great time. So six days gone. Now I have eight days until I leave. I ended up um, earlier that summer just talking with this girl um, who was down there. And I also met her on Tinder. Tinder was big back then. And I told her the situation. She's like, well, you can live with me if you want. I'm like, fuck yeah. I mean, that worked out perfectly. You know, perfect. It was, um, I forget what it was called. It was, just a, it was a USC student apartment in downtown LA, near downtown LA, obviously, because USC is near downtown LA. So I stayed with her and she had two roommates and there was one open bed. But her roommate that she was there with they had their room, and then the roommate that she didn't know but was a USC student was in the other room. And the first night, uh, the first morning I wake up, and that USC student comes out, and she's like, you know you don't have to sleep on the couch. You can just sleep in the bed in my room. I'm like, fuck, yeah, there, there you go. So that ended up being really nice. And eight days later, I flew out of L.A., went back home, moved all my stuff into that fraternity's house, Day one, I slept there one night, woke up the next morning, dropped out of school, said, fuck all that, L.A. changed me. I'm going back to L.A., baby. Nobody can stop me. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. From Some of my lifelong brothers were saying that I'm going to end up homeless and that if I do, I don't have a place to stay. Other people were talking shit on my dream, saying I'm going to fail. But I knew I wouldn't. But I knew I wouldn't. So the plan was... Work for a year, save up a couple thousand, go back to L.A. next summer. It took a little longer than I thought. I actually ended up going back next August. So a year after I left L.A., I, oh, dude, I grinded so hard. You know, just worked as a busser at two different places, bussing all fucking day for a year, all day, every day of the week. Man, those are some interesting days. But anyway, now we're going back to the L.A., LA stories round two, baby. LA stories round two. So I finally have enough money, guys. I'm going to LA with, I think, maybe $1,900 in my pocket. Yes, I'm going to be an Uber driver this time. And I get to LA, 
um dude and i went with my boy aaron and i yeah i gotta get this guy on the podcast dude this guy brought i i, I got there earlier than him and um I ended up picking him up with this other girl's car that I knew and he had a small carry-on for a 40-day trip. Not even a backpack, dude, just a small carry-on and he's going to be living in LA with me for 40 days. Oh my god, oh my god. But guys, when I got back, it was game on now. Like this is like I know the terrain now. We're living in Miracle Mile, which is a much better place. It's further it's still like central LA. Um but it's away from downtown, which I didn't really like too much. Um, this is such a good trip. I love, I'm so glad I wrote this down. I love reflecting on this shit. So anyway, we get to LA and, you know, we're just having a a blast the first time we first, uh, first time we get there, uh, we go to Ralph's to get groceries. Some guy robs it. Like just a great time, you know? Okay. Oh, and then. Dude, this Aaron guy, I'm telling you, he's unbelievable with convincing people to do stuff. He convinced this random stranger to give us a ride home with our fucking groceries. I mean, hella dangerous and shit. Um, but uh, I'm not going to get too specific on these stories, but I just remember we just had, you know, we were freestyling in Venice all the time. That This is really when the freestyling thing started taking a hold in, in Santa Monica for me. It's like freestyling all the time. God damn, I missed this fucking... Wow, that's weird. You're... Yeah, I'm up in the mountains. I don't know why we're hearing cop sirens. Like, I'm way deep in the mountains. This is crazy. Where is this coming from? I don't know. Hopefully, they don't pull up here. Damn, that's a lot. There must be something going down. Um, But anyway, uh, this is like... We're still taking the metro, remember? Because we don't have... We don't want to spend too much money. We spent enough money already getting out there and stuff. Paying for the Airbnb... So after the first couple of days of fun, we're like, all right, let's get some jobs. And, you know, I kind of was like, you know, Uber driver cries me to like get a California license and I got to get a car and all this. How about I just go back to my comfortable spot of La Scala? Maybe they'll take us back. I call up La, call up La Scala. They're like, yeah, we remember you. The customers loved you. Everybody loved you. We would love to give you a job. Come on in for an interview. I have a video of this story specifically, if you, if none of you guys believe me. So me, Aaron was going to apply at jobs. I was going in for an interview. Dude, that cop car is getting close. Weird. So we hop on this first Metro uh, to go to Beverly Hills, the 720 classic. Dude, that cop. Man, that must be serious. I'm just going to ignore it. Um... We get on this metro, guys, and everyone piles in. All of a sudden, this guy, this homeless guy gets on, and he's bleeding, like squirting bleeding all over the seats, all over the floor. People started screaming and shit. Bus driver goes, all right, everybody off. This bus is decommissioned uh, because for bodily fluid. I'm like, oh, fuck. Everyone's pissed already. And so we get off the bus. She's like, next one will come in 15 minutes. She takes off and goes to the cleaning center. Uh, so the next bus comes guys and I have an interview at a fucking 11. I got to get there or whatever time it was. We all get on the bus. The homeless guy gets on the bus again and starts bleeding all over the place. This guy's clueless. Now everybody's just pissed off. Everyone's screaming at him. Get the fuck off the bus. What the fuck? Bus driver goes, all right. Sorry, everybody. Bus is decommissioned. Sorry. We can't be having this. Everyone. He goes, next bus will be in 15 minutes. Like, Fuck. 
So we all get off the bus again. The third bus comes. We all start to pile in and people will are physically holding them back. No, you're not getting on this one. You're not getting on this one. And so we all get in and the bus driver now understands the situation because people told him and he's not allowing, he's closing the door on them. And all of a sudden he sees Aaron like looking at him. And as the bus is driving off, he, he runs up to the window where me and Aaron are sitting and starts smearing his bloody hands all over the window. I have a picture of Aaron like next to the blood. It's like, oh man. It's like, dude, the Metro stories are unreal. Like one time we saw this guy, like we look back and he's literally just shaving the bottom of his foot with a cheese grater. Like one, like his, the bottom of his feet are bright white and he's just shaving his foot with a cheese grinder. And we can see the shavings coming off, dude. The Metro in LA, uh, just unreal stories. It's the most amazing stories you'll ever ever experience for those of you who rode the metro i'm sure if you rode the metro let me know in the comments below like a good story because anyone who's ridden that la metro for an extended period of time has a good story for sure um and this is actually the time the first week i was out here was the time i met my one of my best friends camilla i'm sure you guys have seen her she's been in a couple of my videos um she was in the meetup video but she's like one of my best friends one of my and what was one of my only friends and LA when all this was happening because I mean everybody goes to LA with like here I'll, I'll cover this really quick the reason why everyone says people in LA are fake is for this reason alone everybody goes to LA with an agenda in their heart and in their head everybody so when you don't fit that agenda that they came here for they're just there's you there's no use for you I had one really good friend Camilla Shout out Camilla. I love Camilla so much. Camilla, if you're watching this, I love you so much. And then I had two other friends who I kind of saw very rarely. Actually, three, technically three other ones, but very, very rarely, like maybe a couple times. But I saw her a pretty good amount because she was just awesome. She has some of the best vibes. Some of the, she's just one of the best people I know, for sure. Thank God I met Camilla. Um, all four of those people are from L.A., and that's my point. So when you have nothing to offer, again, I'm an, I'm getting to me being an Uber driver. But when you're an Uber driver or a busser, you're not going to fit anybody's agenda. No, ever. And again, I guess I should cover that right before this trip is when I started the drop shipping, And then I stopped it because I want to save money, like with the same store and everything, which I'll cover later because I've, I've kind of talked about that before. Um, but that's where... I, in, in when I was in that situation, when I had nothing to offer and I had nothing to show for myself, really, people who grew up in LA don't just fucking get squirted out and they have an agenda. Like they grew up in LA, they they they're living their life like normal. Most people, not not everybody, most people, they just this is their normal life, you know. So when they see someone like me, like oh, like maybe they think I'm a good guy. He might be a good friend. So that that's why I only really hung out with locals back then. Duh, I miss this time so much, guys. I love it. I love it so much. Um, but yeah, that's that's my take on why people think LA is fake. It's because it's mostly immigrants. And, and God, don't take that the wrong way. I meant immigrants into LA. So anyone outside of LA is immigrating to LA. Is, it's mostly made up of, of immigrants outside of LA come there with an agenda. And again, if you don't fit the agenda, you're pushed it aside. But if you do, they love you. And that's where the fake love comes from. Like my love for Camilla is very, very, very true. 
very real and it was grassrooted because she's been in my life consistently from when I was not even an Uber driver to being an Uber driver to being a drop shipper and then progressively uh, developing from there. And we've gone on so many trips together. So grateful I met her. Anyway, back to the stories. Um, I ended up going and getting that interview, but one thing that rubbed me the wrong way, guys, it was intuition. He said, yeah, we're going to start you off as a busser again, but within a couple months' time, we want you to be a server. I'm like, fuck. That's my kryptonite. And the reason it's my kryptonite is I was not making enough money to live how I wanted as a busser. I was grinding, barely making it. As soon as I become a server, I can become complacent. You don't really see many 50-year-old bussers who's been there 25 years, but you see a lot of servers at a lot of restaurants. Nothing wrong with that, but that's not for me. And I knew right when I fell into, if I ever became a server, I would fall into that category. And I fall, I have that risk of being complacent and making just a good amount of money, you know, 250 bucks a day. I can live on that, but I wanted something more. So I ended up working the first shift. The second shift, I had a double. I could go home for a couple hours. I didn't even go back. I did not even go back. I'm like, sorry, um, I got, I, there's, I just, I just can't do this. I got, I got bigger things. And they're like, is this Scott Hilsey? Cause I like, I have a great attitude and you know, how could you not have a great attitude? I'm like, listen, I'm sorry, but my intuition is telling me this is not it. I left that night, me and Aaron went to Venice beach had a great time. And a couple weeks later I bought my Uber car. Fuck yeah. Now is the time for the Uber stories. The Uber stories are here. Okay. Let me see if I got, oh man. Some of these stories I just can't even tell. I'm sorry. Some of these stories I just cannot even tell. Oh, this is a good one. So this is right before, because we t- I remember we took the Metro to Hollywood. This is right before I got the fucking um, Uber car. So me and Aaron, we, we're friendly guys. Like, And Aaron just has a way of attracting people and just, I don't know. We're walking down Hollywood Boulevard and all of a sudden there's these, there's like um, like three or four black guys just walking next to us and we start talking with them saying what's up you know and one of them seemed just a little more turnt than the rest like the other one three were pretty chill the, the other one um seemed a little off the fucking walls and they're like yeah yeah, yeah. that's his, it's his birthday today it was his birthday and as we start talking with them as we keep walking with them we start noticing this guy's doing some crazy fucking shit like this guy just jumped on this guy's car driving down hollywood boulevard oh shit he just put him in a coffin on this brand new BMW X5. Like, oh shit, he just put his fucking, holy shit, he just put his fucking foot through the taxi's window. Like, this is just crazy. So it turns out um, these guys were like Compton Crips. And like, yeah, we're from Compton. You know, we're just coming out to Hollywood looking for a good time. It's, uh, I, wish it, I wish I could remember his name. It started with a B. It's his birthday. He's off the Hennessy tonight. Dude, this guy's literally running across Hollywood Boulevard with cars coming. I got... I literally have video of this. I would pull it up, but I didn't prepare it. Maybe I can put it on Instagram or something. But dude, this guy, these guys were just crazy. So this is the, and I, oh, dude, I have this video too. Oh my gosh. Um, Maybe I can pull it up. I'm going to try to pull it up while I explain what happened. Uh, So basically he keeps, he keeps going. And all of a sudden, of course, the cops are eventually going to catch up with him. So they they caught up with them in the sense of 
we're walking down the street with him still. We're watching this guy go crazy. I remember he went up to Michael Jordan's basketball, like with that fake Michael Jordan who's like spinning two basketballs. Dude, this guy literally hit the basketballs out of his hand into the street. They're bouncing all over cars and shit. Like, damn, these boys are, are fucking crazy. And so we, I'm gonna pull up the, actually, I'm sure I have the video somewhere over here. Um, we're walking down and all of a sudden now we're with the three guys and the guy who's causing all the troubles across the street. And all of a sudden two cop cars come out of nowhere uh, and they're like, get the fuck, um, get the fuck against the wall, get the fuck against the wall. And we just like kind of walk away and they don't say anything to us. And they just handcuff the, the other three guys. And they're like, you know why we're, they're like, why are you doing this? They're like, you know why we're doing this? Cause like we got a call that someone put a, their foot through a windshield and they're jumping on cars. Was that you guys? Like, no. And then dude, this guy is so off the walls from across the street. He goes, wait guys, I'll come and save you. And this guy runs across the street. Oh my God. Oh and yeah. By the way, this trip is when you can go back on my Instagram and see the countdown. I do a whole countdown on black and white 30 and 29, 38 every single day. But, uh, they run across the street. I'm pulling. I'm looking for the video now. Oh, maybe I didn't see. It. It's probably on my Snapchat. Yeah, it's on my Snapchat. Unfortunately, fuck. Um, <laughs> but uh, he goes, "Wait, I'll save you." And he runs across the street. Oh yeah, he, never mind. Here it is, right here. Okay, let me see if I can screen record this really quick. Sorry, guys, I did not prepare to, to be playing any videos. But for those of you who are watching this, you have got to, I've just listened to this, you've got to watch the video right now because I'm going to put up this footage, a new screen recording, and record. Okay, so this was the first time, and this is, he'd done a bunch of shit before this, but this was the first time, like, straight in the coffin. I'm going to turn my volume on for this now. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay so he was doing that and like i said this is this is when he hits the x5 or the x1 or whatever look at this <laughs> no, for those of you just listen he literally just it's not uh the first one's a bmw this he does a front flip onto this guy's hood and just runs runs next to it while whilst um vine was big at the time so he's vining himself Okay, so what ended up happening was, unfortunately, I didn't save one of the um, snaps. But like I said, the cops got them all detained against it. They got their, uh, they got them all cuffed up. And he runs over, and I wish I saved this fucking video. I'm so mad I didn't. The dude starts crip walking behind the two cops that are arresting his, are detaining his three friends. That's how fucking crazy this guy is. He was literally crip walking right behind, a couple feet behind him. And then... We walk down with him down the street and he starts rolling a blunt while interrogating the cops who are arresting his buddies for what he fucking did. Look at this video. Look at this. The cops are right there. My buddy Aaron's like, they got your buddies. The cops are right there and he's just rolling a blunt right here. And then let me see. Okay, yeah, yeah. Here's where he starts interrogating him more. Look at this. Dude, this is unbelievable shit. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Look, 
look, four cop cars right now, like five cops arresting his buddy. He's just screaming at the cops, oink, oink, while rolling a fucking blunt probably four car lengths away. Look, one more time. Dude. He says, swear to God, if they come over here, I'm going to run. Oh, my God, dude. Stop that video recording. Wow. I'm telling you, like, these stories, guys, I'm going to, like, sometimes they're just a, a fucking blur. But since I wrote them down, ooh, hold on one second. Uh, since I wrote them down, um, I can tell you guys this. I can remember this. I mean, I'm literally getting shocked with some of the stuff I forgot. Like, I completely forgot about this guy. This guy was off the chains. And I, since I'm, I was in my videos folder, so unfortunately I don't have, like, all the pictures of, like, him smashing the windshield and all that, but trust me, it happened. I would never lie to you. That was, that's a pretty insane story uh, right there. I'm glad I remembered that because I completely forgot. I wasn't even planning on telling him that. Um... Yeah, he dented like three cars. And, oh, so they ended up releasing two of the guys, but one guy's one of the guys had warrants for his arrest. And I, <laughs> I remember me and Aaron were walking by the car, and we saw him in the car, and he like kind of looked down, and then he looked to the right and saw us, and he goes, ah, <laughs> like a a fucking uh, evil laugh. He was like he couldn't stop laughing when he saw us see him in the in the car arrested. So he got taken to the station. And then I talked to that guy um, the next day, and he got out the next day. Just he had to pay some fines or whatever. Um, yeah, so we we met this guy Nas. Uh, I'm still buddies with him. He was actually in one of my videos. He was living in Skid Row. He said as a tow truck guy, you literally like saw this guy do a line of coke, but on on like on his truck while he was driving it. But anyway. Let me get right into what happened after. I don't want to get too sidetracked, but I just had to cover those stories. So now. I buy my fucking Civic in Long Beach, California. And this is amazing, right? I finally have a income source. Oh, okay. I can't tell another story, unfortunately. But I get my California ID. Now I'm ready to go. Um, Aaron only has like a couple days left. So, <laughs> oh, I got some good Uber stories, guys. Hold up for this one. I'm hoping my camera's still rolling because I don't know how long that thing lasts. Um, just on its own. But if not, it's going to cut to audio at one point. But I'm sure it, it'll go. Dude, I got this Uber car. And I literally have a se an entire separate folder for Uber stories. But I got this Uber car. And then um, like a couple weeks later, Aaron left. Okay, so. Walk into see that's that's the thing I really don't even under I really don't even recognize some of these fucking stories. Oh, I do remember this though. Um, before we got the car, one more thing. I remember a homeless guy with his socks are so sweaty. This guy on the metro is literally ringing him out on the metro. Dude, stay the fuck away from the metro unless you want some good stories. But anyway, so I get the car. Dude, I wish I got put anyway. So the first story that I had was this girl, this old lady. She was like, I think she said she was 58, 59. She ordered an Uber for an hour trip, and it ended up being about an hour and a half because I actually took her to her house, and then she went in and changed, and I took her to her work. And at the end of the trip, she goes, here, I got a little tip for you. And I thought it was just going to be a couple bucks. Fucking hands me a magic mushroom, like one of those psychedelic mushrooms. I've never done them before. 
she hands it to me like, what is this? And she's like, it's a, it's a magic mushroom. Yeah, you just, uh, it's a really good, it's a blue cap. You just, uh, you just eat it. I like to mix it with pasta and it makes you hallucinate. It's really good. I ended, definitely did not end up taking that. I saw it so funny that this 59-year-old lady was just telling me in shrooms, man. L.A. L.A. is pretty crazy. Um, see, this one says Disneyland with Crazy Girl. I just don't remember what that... Oh, I remember this one. I don't really remember the details. I just remember that I, I had this one client, basically, who I'd take to school, um, and her mom would give me 40 bucks every morning. That's great way to start a morning at 40 bucks it was like a 25 minute ride 40 bucks every single morning and so she started getting the wrong idea and her mom ended up buying the us us disneyland tickets and she bought me all this present and she was just fucking dude i can't believe i forgot about this but she was like always looking in on my i was like getting happy birthday text and she was looking on my phone she was messaging like dude we were not in a relationship or anything we weren't even like messing around but I don't know. That was just a crazy one. I forgot about that. Um, uh, I was walking in Santa Monica once, and this guy started following me, saying he wanted my shoes. But fuck all that. Let me tell you the best story I have ever, of my entire Uber career. This one, um, this one takes the cake. For sure. And I remember it like it was yesterday. Because that's what it feels like. And I kind of wish it was. So I could just relive these past couple years of my life. Because looking back, like I said on the last podcast when I had that revelation, the memory will always be better than the moment. Like this was pretty cool when I was doing this. But I thought it kind of sucks. Like I'm Uber driving like 70 hours a week. But guys, listen to this story, okay? So... I get a call for a guy named Josh and it says 45 minute plus. So if you're an Uber driver, it lets you know that if it's over 45 minutes, it lets you know in advance. So you can cancel if you don't have the time. I accept it. I will. I love those. So I pulled up to Josh's quotation mark, Josh's house. And in this, this place looks like a fucking crack shack, like no windows, well busted out windows with like, you know, they boarded them up. Like, fuck, does anyone even live here? And all of a sudden, this lady with three trash bags comes out. She's like, is this the Uber for Josh? And I go, yeah, did he order you one? Yeah. Can you pop the trunk? So I pop the trunk and and uh, she, she throw, God, I, I can't remember. I'm going to try to remember these details the best I can. But I do remember most of it for sure. But there was just a lot of crazy stuff that happened that I probably forgot. But I'll try to get the most crazy out of this. She throws her bags into my trunk, <laughs> and she and I'm like, "Where are you off to?" She goes, "Malibu." I'm like, oh, "Okay, this must be some like rich guy just like Ubering this girl over or something." So we're driving. She's like, "Do you have an aux cord?" Yeah, yeah. I give her the aux cord. She's playing weird music, and what's funny is she's playing music like the same couple songs. One of them was uh, "Biking" with uh, um, oh my gosh, Jay Z. Uh, Tyler the Creator and why can I not? Why can I not remember his his name? Oh my gosh, ah, dude, I've, I'm so bad. The guy who doesn't like to perform ever. It was those three. But anyway, we're approaching and like I'm. This is like getting a little weird. Like I thought it was gonna be like a Malibu nice house. Like we're in, we're on Mulholland. 
like way deep in Malibu. I haven't seen a car in a long time. And she cuts the music and she goes, you know, you know where I'm going? And I go, nope. Going to rehab. I'm like, oh, okay. She goes, this is the third time I'm going to rehab. I'm like, wow. Uh, you got it this time or something. She's like, huh. they're pretty expensive. First one was 89000 Next one was like 70000 This one's eighty one. I'm like, damn, it's a lot of money. She goes, yeah. That's the benefit of having two dead parents. And I'm like, fucking man, I need to get out of this situation. So we're nearing the, I'm, I don't even have service at this point. I forgot to mention that. And guys, I'm at the end of Muholland in Malibu, like way the fuck out there. There is no street lamps involved anymore. And so the address says it's on this corner. And I'm like, is this the house? And she goes, yeah, 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 this is it. I pull in. The first thing I see is a gate that's been tore down. And it's like hanging on its side. Oh, that's not a good idea. This doesn't look like a good rehab. And I pull up to this massive mansion. Every window, just like her house, was boarded. Was The windows were broken out, but this, this was different because it had tarps. A little more upscale on this one. All the houses had tarps covering the windows. because I knew they were tarps because I could see them blowing in the wind. And no lights were on. And I'm like, are you sure this is the rehab? Is this where everybody is? She goes, yeah, 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 I'm pretty sure. Here, just pull around the house. Guys, there's not one light on. Like, it's completely pitch black. It's just, this is a scary movie. It's just pitch black. And I'm like, I'm not about to pull around the house. Like, I'm getting a little nervous. Because she could kill me right now. No one would ever know. Maybe Josh would. Josh would, Josh is probably involved. And then that's when she starts freaking out. I don't know. This doesn't look good. This doesn't look good at all. Oh my God, I can't do this. I can't go back to the rehab. I, 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 I can't. I'm like, hold on, just, just call your guy, see if this is the one. So she calls him and she gives me the phone because she had like Verizon. I had AT&T, so she had like a couple bars. And I'm like, hey, um, this is her Uber driver. I'm at the house. Um, it's, I don't know if this is the right one. I don't see any lights on. There's a, that's right, there's tons of trash, like just 20 bags of trash outside of her house. And she was like, um, yeah. No, this is this has got to be it. And then I'm talking to the guy on the phone, and he's like, "Yeah, no, that should be it. Um, they must have not taken out the trash." And I'm like, "Are you sure?" Because and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they'll they'll be there soon. I'm pretty sure." And we're just waiting there, and that and that's when she really starts freaking out. She's like, "Do you mind if I smoke a cigarette in your car?" And I go, "No, you got to step outside for that. I'm sorry." So she's smoking a cigarette. And she's like, "Scott, let's." let's just get let's get out of here like let's let's just go get some drugs i need some drugs let's go get some drugs do you have any cash because i can pay you back i just need i just really need some drugs i know a guy we can go pick up drugs i'm like listen no you're going to rehab okay so i'm now i'm just out here in malibu i'm getting paid 17 cents a minute to talk this lady into going to this eighty thousand dollar rehab and finally after she freaks out a bunch um I get a call. I call. She calls him again. I'm like, listen, sir, I really don't think this is the right place. The windows are boarded up um, with tarps, and it's just dark. And he's like, are you, like, are you on Mulholland still? Or I'm like, yeah, we, it was the last house in Mulholland. He goes, okay, so that's the problem. You got to go out the gate, and then you got to make the turn, and that's right on the right. So sure enough, we leave the gate. We make the right turn, and this this time she's like yelling at me. She's like, please don't make me go. Please, I don't want to go back. And I'm like, motherfucker. 
And so she's yelling at me while I'm like going up. Now the house is right around the corner, okay? Nice gate. I had to punch a fucking button to talk to somebody. And um, she was like, um, and I'm like, listen, I'm here to drop someone off. I tell her name. They open the gate. I pull in and she just looks defeated. And she's like, all right, I'll get my stuff. So she grabs her three bags. She leaves. I'm driving home. Fucking... She took all my business cards for some and the and the holder for the business cards because I have business cards because I'm like e-commerce social media marketing specialist like that was my old business card even though I've I'd only done like two hundred dollars in 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 revenue up until that point. So yeah, that was a that was a pretty wild one. Um, I remember the I got invited to the Mayweather after party. Um, this one kid who grew up on Venice. Talked about this guy at this cow, I forget, cow something restaurant where maybe Venice locals will know this story for sure because I've checked it out a couple times. This guy, he's, he owns this restaurant in Venice. Dude taps this uh, homeless guy on the shoulder once to get off of his property. Homeless guy turns and bites his pinky off. A year later, a different homeless guy is sitting there. He asks the guy to go. This guy bites his ring finger off. <laughs> So that was uh that was pretty interesting. And um I guess all throughout this I didn't talk about how um when I became an Uber driver, I moved in to this Airbnb with this one girl, Dara. Very, very attractive girl, looks just like Jennifer Aniston. It's amazing. And it was like a perfect situation. I was living with these two girls. I was just Uber driving. Uh, she had a dog, Charlie, which was awesome. He'd sleep with me sometimes. It was just such a great situation. And then um, there was a confusion with the rent at the end. Basically, they agreed upon a thousand, and then I, I put a deposit on a thousand, which was amazing. That was such a good deal. And then her dad upped it to twelve hundred after the deposit, and then um, I said, "Okay, that's fine. That's my limit." And then he upped it to fourteen hundred. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to play this game. I'm just going to go home for the holidays. And this was November. I went back early November. Mid-October is when I launched, relaunched that dropshipping store that I told you guys I gave up on and ended up doing a couple hundred thousand. And it progressively, I progressively scaled it on the drive back from LA to St. Louis so that when I got back to St. Louis, I no longer got to work for anybody, nor do I even have to get a Missouri license because I was going to be an Uber driver back in St. Louis. Fuck that. Holy shit, I dodged a bullet. I ended up just become just dropshipping. And that paid more than the bills. You know, I was buying Yeezys now. And it's like, fuck yeah. It's like, man, this is awesome. So then I took the time in St. Louis for five months. I just scaled to like $25,000 a month, $30,000 a month uh, with that iPhone case. And I'm living my fucking dream. I'm like, hell yeah. All I need now is LA. So back, now I'm back to um, LA the third time. This is now the third time. And at this point, I'm not even writing down stories because now I'm, I'm going off the top of my head. Guys, I get to LA and my entire dream life, like I told you at the very beginning of this podcast, was to move to LA, move to Venice specifically, and just skateboard on the beach all day. Uh, that's what I did. That month I did 30. I moved back April of 2018, I believe. Yes, April of 2018. Did 30,000 that month on this iPhone case. I'm just living it up going to the gym and then the beach every fucking single day, dude. Every single day I was doing this. And by doing that, I realized that that's not my dream. 
Like sometimes you gotta, sometimes you gotta live your dream to realize that that's not your dream. Dude, it's so unfulfilling. Like what, just, is this what retirement feels like? Cause if so, I don't want to ever be retired. It's like, and I was by myself most of the time. Again, Camilla was there. I loved Camilla. Uh, she would hang out with me a couple times. Uh, I probably saw her a good amount actually. No, I saw her a good amount, probably like seven or eight times, maybe even more that entire month. But for the most part, I was just by myself. My boy Ben went out with me. Most part, I was just by myself guys. And, um, just learning a lot about myself. And through that, I learned that something's telling me now is not the time. Now is not the time to be in LA yet. I'm, wh- I've been saying this so many times, but something big to this day is still waiting for me in LA and I'm going to get it one day. I know it for a fact, but God was telling me this is not the time yet. So I'm like, okay, it's not. I go back home. I buy a new car. Um, long story short, that car... I don't want this to turn into my fucking life story again, but that car ended up allowing me to get the exposure from Ty Lopez to enter his um, his six-figure club because I made six figures technically off his program by being introduced to social media marketing through his program, but teaching dropshipping um, on my own. I learned that on my own. But anyway, this is the Uber Stories fucking... The Simplified Podcast. Uber Stories. That's what this shit is. So... Anyway, all that happens. And this is a weird, this is so weird to even talk about, honestly, because now of how much time that went by. So I moved back, I get Ty Lopez's attention, whatever. And that's when I go back to LA for um, a, a week while Camilla, shout out Camilla. Thank you so much for letting me stay in your UCLA dorm. Like we just slept on this tiny little twin mattress. Uh, just a uh, that, that was such such good days. And that's when I started traveling, too. We went to Oregon right after that. Um, but, yeah, so L.A., met Ty Lopez, met all these great people. Fucking, I'm off the, I'm killing it right now. Like, I'm living my fucking dream, but I know it's not time yet for me to move back. So I ended up, because I, I thought I might move back in the winter. I'm like, you know what, I'll move later. So I lived in, with my grandma for a couple months while I was traveling. And when I got back, I, I signed that place in fucking St. Louis, which I'm moving back to. God, dude, I can't believe it's almost been two years since this shit. This is unbelievable how quick time goes by. But I'm I, like, just looking back, I'm so grateful for living this life, guys. Like this has been such a wild, fun life so far. And I can't wait to see where it goes. And once I reach that, once I find that big thing that I'm looking for in LA or the big thing that's going to find me more like it, I can't imagine what that's going to be like. Um, but anyway, that's when I went back to St. Louis for a year and a half. I went to L.A. probably fucking six times in that year and a half. And then, which most of you guys will now know me by, this is when, now we fast forward a year and a half, I move in to the L.A. Sunset Plaza house with Mikey Cass, Sebas Bedoya, and Fez Warsani. Man, now you can see the progression. That's why I know um, no hate to the person who I was kind of like talking back to in the comments on my last podcast. But I hope you can see that because he he said, listen, Scott, L.A. is way more than the Hollywood Hills, man. You need to live different. Like you can see how many different places I've lived. Again, I lived in I didn't even cover all the places I lived in. The, the, the moves I was making while this is happening. And then it's not necessarily my LA story. It's my LA stories. So I'm trying to be more specific on to that. Oh yeah. I forgot about this too. We, we, uh, 
we met Snoop Dogg's son kind of when he was surfing. You know, it's funny. We, we played fucking Snoop Dogg's. She, uh, the girl who was telling us about it because she was there with him, she's like, just don't say anything. And when they're walking away, I played Snoop. <clears throat> Damn, my voice cracked. I was just a side one. I just saw that on my computer right here. But no, this, anyway, back. Now we're in Sunset Plaza, guys. Now you can see the progression of my L.A. Like, I started in the studio apartment with five fucking people as a busser. And I worked my way up to living on my own terms with a fucking BMW i8. Just to have a car in general, but a BMW i8 in the Hollywood Hills with a pool looking over everything. Over, over, with, a, with a fucking view looking over all the places I've lived all the work I've, all the work, all the places I worked in LA, like in terms of like Uber driving and everything, all the places I skateboarded, every street that I took a metro on, now I'm above it and looking down at it. Not looking down at it, but you know, like literally looking down at it and um, more like looking back at it and seeing how far I came. And now I'm in this fucking, this house. And this house is amazing. The My roommates are amazing. That was just such a great, great situation that I don't think I took the, best advantage of but i know i'm kind of hard on myself but what i learned on that trip uh, again in la is maybe i'm just not ready for it yet i'm close to like the universe god was saying listen man you're close you're fucking really close to being basically worthy of what's coming to you or being more like being ready because, I mean, guys, you can get an amazing opportunity, but if you're not prepared for it, you, that opportunity may be missed forever. So, like, what was happening when I was there is, like, I was connecting with very powerful people who could put, who are literally telling me they want to develop me and put me just so many crazy things. But I still have my, like, vices. I still have my distractions, and I, wa- and I wasn't focused. And then Corona hits like, okay, we're there five months. Uh, a funny ass story is when Mikey and all of them decided to throw a party and I didn't really know about it. And I, I could give a fuck about a party. I love parties so much. Like dude, college, we had the best. The only issue with this is it was a $3.6 million house. And my name was on the insurance and my name was on the, the lease agreement, like as in one of the main leasers and my name was on everything. So that was my only issue. And fucking Mikey, Mikey assured us, no, man, I got it covered. Uh, the security is going to work. They're just going to charge uh, any guys an absurd amount if they want to get in. Well, it turns out the fucking, apparently every guy in LA wanted to pay an absurd amount that night because it was, there was this like, it was probably like 70% guys, but guys, probably 200 people. And this is in the hills, like 200 people at our house. Uh, like, it was fun for like the first hour for me. And then I was already in a, a weird situation um, already. Uh, no reason to get too deep into that, but it was fun for like the first hour. And then all of a sudden, dude, I'm like, we're for sure. We're for sure getting evicted for one. And it's gonna, and it's gonna be, I'm evicted, which I thought was the case at the time. That's why I was so fucking worried about it. Cause one, we're getting evicted early. We're, le- we're going to have to get, like, dude, they said, if there's even one noise complaint, we're getting kicked out. That's what they told us when we signed this lease. I'm getting evicted, and if someone gets hurt or something during this, I'm getting fucking sued. Like, that's all I could think about because, like, all the responsibility was on my shoulders. So I couldn't even enjoy it. I ended up going into my bedroom at, like, 3.30, and I 
I remember the one of the last things I remember is like some girl's jacket caught on fire. Like someone lit her fucking jacket on fire while she was wearing it. I'm like, dude, there's not a chance we'd get we, there's not a chance we don't get evicted, and there's not a chance I'm not getting sued for something. And there's not a chance that there's gonna be a lot of damages. I mean, it turns out there's no damages, no noise complaints, no complaints from the neighbors, nothing. I mean, there's a tiny bit of damage to the fucking house. Barely any, like, unnoticeable. And they all cleaned it up right away. Um, but yeah, I just, I, that's why I don't really like being in positions of responsibility in terms of something like that. Like, especially, like, a, on a house or something. Because it's like, I, t- I can sometimes worry a little more than the normal person. But if I have all of the responsibility on me, of course I'm going to worry. So, like, that party was crazy. I know, like, um, Addison, not fucking... Um, whoever that Banks guy, I think it was FaZe Banks, whoever that Banks guy dated, and she was there. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of, like, you know, fucking people there that maybe a lot of you would know. I don't know. But I just remember being in my bedroom uh, with my friend, and she was passed out. But, dude, constantly. This is why, And this is a re- another reason why I had to retreat to my bedroom because I just saw so many people trying to break into my room. And I have some expensive fucking clothes and uh, technology in there. So, and my friend's in there. Fuck. You know? Like, so many things could have went wrong. And there's so many times throughout the night where people were just banging on the door so hard, even trying to break it down. And I remember... At one point, I, f- I heard the guy picking the lock because it was one of those locks where you stick a paper clip in and it'll unlock it. So, dude, I had to hold the door against this stranger. Dude, it was just like a night. It was just a mess down there because so many people were trying to get in that room. It was ridiculous. And obviously for not good reasons and definitely would not have been a good reason if they uh, not a good situation if they would have ever gotten in because I had so much shit laying around. So I had to fight off all those people and stuff. So... That was a funny story. But in terms of that trip, guys, here's what's really interesting and what I'm realizing right now. When I didn't have any money and I was just grinding the fuck out of my, just to live out in LA, just for the sake of living out in LA, that's when I got the most stories. But you notice the third time I went to LA, I was making 30000 a month uh, drop shipping. And I can, I can barely remember... I can remember a couple stories like me and an elixir and stuff, but in terms of that, I never had to put myself in these situations like on the metro or skateboarding around or like busing or anything where it's like you're these situations where things happen. Like, I don't know. It's like you get more stories when you're put in shitty situations. Shitty, uh, shitty situ- My God, you get more stories when you put in, when you're put in sit. You get more stories when you're put in shitty situations. That is not to say that being in this shitty situation is better than being in the situation in the Hollywood Hills. I'll take the Hollywood Hills all day. That was so fun. Like every day we'd wake up, hop in the I-8 or they'd hop in the Tesla or something. We'd just drive down to the Equinox. We'd work out. We'd go get some food at fucking Earth. Mikey, if you're watching this, you know what the fuck is going down. I miss the Earth days. Go to Takaya or something. Come back. Maybe shoot a YouTube video. And then maybe like hit a skate park or like go down to the beach or something. And that's the day. That's like what we're doing every day. Just so chill. Such a fucking good time, guys. It was a different kind of good times. Like I look back on some of these stories that aren't weren't funny at the time and I, I'm laughing at them. But man. So now it's been three months. Dude, 
three only three months that's insane i felt i feel like it's been like a year since i've been in la but yeah it's only been three months i mean i have the option to go back right now if i wanted to or i could just wait prepare and then get rid of the things about me that are more like fix the things about me that i know are going to hinder my success or my reception into whatever that big thing that i keep talking about is take the eight months in st louis to do that and then watch coronavirus and shit uh from a distance watch the election and everything go down um just see what happens in these next vital eight months and then move out eight months later in march go back to la a whole new person better than i'd ever been before more prepared more at more everything and then i think that is when i will be granted or that's when the thing that i don't that's that's when the thing that i've been looking for and the thing that's been looking for me will be a perfect will be in perfect harmony and then that is when i think my life will vastly dramatically severely change and that's just my prediction and that's just my prediction i'm making right in here on that but those are my la stories i'm thank you guys for watching this so much uh there's actually a couple more here that i forgot so when i was dating this girl london i talked i think i talked about her on the last podcast she lived in vegas she was going to unlv and um i lived in la so if she would visit me i visit her so one time we went to San Diego. Oh no, so I'm sorry, Santa Barbara. Wait, fuck, I don't know, Santa Barbara or fucking San Diego. Who, I don't know, who gives a shit? And I look up like most unique, most unique things to do in San Diego or Santa Barbara, whichever the fuck, God, I think it was Santa Barbara. Uh, no, this was San Diego actually. The most unique things to do in San Diego. And all of a sudden, there was this, um, it was like Black Sea Beach or Black Sand Beach. I don't know. It wasn't a Black Sand Beach. It was, it was something, though. And that's all I saw. I'm like, all right, let's go there. Didn't read the description, nothing. We get there, and you got to walk down a, like a fucking quarter mile or half mile like elevation just to get to this beach. I'm like, damn, this beach is so secluded. Like, all I had was flip-flops. All she had were flip-flops. We like, it was like very rough terrain. We get to the bottom, like, finally... Like, damn, they really make you work for this beach. We get there. We look around. Nothing but old naked people and us. <laughs> nothing but old naked people. Fucking limp dick. Um, shriveled up boobies. Hanging ass. Saggy, saggy skin left and right. A lot of hair. Just too much hair. Just way too much hair. Yeah, that was a scarring moment. We we just like ran down. We ran like a mile t down the beach, and luckily no one was there. But every uh, every once in a while, you'd see fucking some old guy walking around with his fucking like uh, kind of look like those things that in front of car uh, car places that they sell cars, <laughs> car dealerships that are like filled with air, like shooting around. That's what that looked like. But um, we did not participate in the nude culture. Just chilled there for a while. And then I remember driving back that night. I fell asleep at the wheel like nine times. It was bad, guys. It was so bad. We got back at like 3.30 a.m. And I pulled over so many times, drank Red Bulls, slapped myself, rolled the windows down. I just kept falling asleep. It was bad. I do not recommend anybody doing that.
Um, yeah, so those are my those are my uh, my LA stories. There's so many more. Oh yeah, okay. Th- I'll end it with this one because this is at the Sunset Plaza house. This is just insane. And I guess I'll make this point. I think the big difference between the story the the second half of the stories and the first half of the stories is. The first half of the stories were mostly stories involving other people outside of the people we knew. If that may, I'm trying to, that's how I look at it. And then the second half, it kind of involves more stories about the people I knew and the people that they knew, you know? So it's kind of more closed off, if that makes sense. I think that's the big difference. But I covered this on my YouTube channel, so I don't think I got to spend too much time on it. But when we moved into the house the first night, I, pu- I pulled in and right when I pulled in this big guy comes out of nowhere and he's like he's like ripping on Sebas's door I'd never seen this guy before and I'm like hello and he's like are they here and I'm like who he's like they I go who's they he's like ah and he like stays in the garage and he makes a call and I'm with Camilla see Camilla stay like I love Camilla so much she's been with me so long um and I pull in I pull I'm like because uh, Camilla had to get out for me to park uh, with enough space for Fez to park or whoever I, like whenever I was whenever someone was in the passenger seat that's what they had to do so she was just standing out in the garage with this guy and I'm just pulling back in pulling out pulling back in pulling out pulling back in pulling out and then when I pull it back in the third time he walks outside and then I just go and I shut the garage door on him fucking cut it really quick. I'm like, Camille, I don't have, I have no clue who the fuck that person was. And so I call up Fez. I call up Sebas and I'm like, Sebas, do you have someone here visiting you? And he goes, no. And I go, man, something really bad's happening at the house. And then I just ended the call. Long story short, you guys can look up my uh, video on YouTube where I just explain exactly what happened. Basically, we ran around, we went under the pool, we're hiding, we called the cops, took 16 minutes to get on the phone with a cop, eight minutes for them to get their 24 in total. So when I'm on the phone, I hear the guy on the phone walking around the fucking pool, and I'm like, he's in the house, he's in the house right now, you gotta send someone quick, quick, quick. And so that ended up being Sebas, because they were so worried what was happening, they rushed home, they sent six cop cars, they sent a helicopter looking for this guy. They've arrested him many times before. Apparently, this is what he does. He squats in empty houses until they get filled. And he didn't know they got filled, so he left apparently his shit somewhere in the house. Um, I'm not sure if they found him or not, but yeah, that was the introduction to the fourth time. So, guys, now what we're looking at is the fifth time I go to L.A. I, I, got, I, know exa- I got laser focus now. I know exactly what I'm going to do, almost. But the thing is, I don't know exactly what's coming. So anything could happen. These are my LA stories. I hope you guys enjoyed them. Let me know what you think, especially comment comment below 146, gang, if you made it to one hour and 46. I want to see how many of you guys are actually watching this entire thing. Comment 146, gang, because now it's been one hour and 46 minutes of nothing but LA stories out here in Colorado, the beautiful sunset. Oh, yeah, I wonder how the color looks. Anyway, guys, I think I'm going to cap it off there. Want to appreciate you guys so much for watching these. I have plenty more Uber stories um, that I, I'm just not even going to get to because there's so many. Um, and yeah, guys, that is the end.
That's the end of these LA stories. I can't wait to get back and make more, more LA. Man, I miss LA so much, so much. It's like, it's kind of like I was in. I've been in a. It's it's. This is the best way to put it for for sure. When I was ten, I saw my dream girl for the first time, and I knew it was my dream girl immediately. This is my dream girl. I want her so bad. We started dating for a couple months in, when I was 19. And then I had to get back to my duties or I had, my, I had to get to what I thought were my priorities. So I left her. A year later, I get back with a little bit more money. Now she's a little more accepting, you know. I can I can stay with her a little longer. But then issues happen and we got we got to break up again then i come back in april and now i'm making tons of money now it's now it's just me and her no distractions just me and her and we're so close together that we're a little too close and i realize now is not the right time not for my career and not for this relationship so then i take a year and a half to work my ass off in order to be worthy of her and I make it. And now we're dating and we're happy. But there's still something wrong. There's still an issue on my end. And then all of a sudden a big virus happens. That closes, that that shuts her down completely. And now I'm in a position of, if I want to be worthy of this relationship, I have to fix the things that I know for a fact will end it or will hinder it or will taint it or whatever word you want to use. If you guys haven't understood my analogy here, I'm talking about Los Angeles. That's what it feels like. I've been, I've wanted this, I've wanted this girl in quotation marks because I'm talking about Los Angeles, obviously. (laughs) I've wanted this girl for 14 years of my life non-stop you can look at my old instagram posts about living in the hills i all that's all i wanted to do and i finally got her but then i realized that it's the it's not all about getting her it's about getting her while it's about getting her understanding her while understanding yourself and then once you do that that's when you're truly worthy and willing to accept the most beautiful life you could possibly think of with her, L.A. And that's what I really think is coming to me. But I have to be prepared, and I have to do it right, and I have to fix myself. I have to develop myself in the ways that I know I need to until, or I'll never, ever be able to get that big thing that I know is out there waiting for me. So, yeah. Damn, thank you guys so much for watching this. I'm doing this podcast like you guys saw in the last one. That was a true breakthrough when I realized that the moment is never as good as the memory. And just by, I'm so grateful that you guys listen to this because it's one thing to do a podcast and it's another thing to do a podcast when I actually see people are watching this. Like this podcast gets a good amount of views. And I, I just really appreciate it because I really discover myself more and more every single day that I do this. 
imagine I did this whole thing out of focus, like the camera's fucking out of focus <laughs> or something. <laughs> or like I forgot to press record or something. Um, but yeah, that's the way I see it. Yeah. I can't wait to get back to her. Dude, it's... I can't wait to look back at this moment right now and be like, you son of a bitch. You knew what was coming. All right, guys, we're nearing the two-hour mark. Comment 147, gang, if you know what's up. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. A special thanks to those of you who did both. If you guys don't remember, my last podcast about the ninjas... I pressed end record and it didn't record. I'm going to be so fucking pissed if, if I press end record and this two hours did not get saved, dude. Wow. A two-hour solo podcast. Who would have thought? All right, guys. That's the end. Peace.